you're dealing with the internalized biphobia, biracial, and monosexism, the homophobia as well. And then when even when you come out, you're discredited. And so you're constantly having to battle a society that tells you you don't exist. It's not just Gosh, a, yeah. a little thing that, you know, one-to-one interaction. It's a whole structure in society that invalidates you. I'm George Lizos, spiritual teacher, psychic healer, and number one best-selling author. Growing up in a small and Christian community, I was judged and rejected for being gay and different. After a futile two-year attempt to change who I was born to be, I called myself a human abomination and almost took my own life. Fortunately, in my darkest moment, I saw the light and ventured on a healing journey of love, forgiveness, and spiritual awakening. Yet my dating life since hasn't always been all roses and rainbows, and my past dramas and traumas have definitely kept things spicy. Fast forward past many awkward dates and disappointing sex, I created Can't Host to challenge toxic gay stereotypes, explore the complex dynamics of gay sex and relationships, and create opportunities for healing and growth. If you're a gay guy seeking more joy, freedom, and authenticity in your sex life and relationships, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Can't Host. I'm your host, George Lizos, and in today's episode, we're talking about bisexuality and the M-Spec, the multiple attraction spectrum. I'm so excited about this episode because I've personally had many questions about bisexuality for many years. I didn't understand him for a long period of time, then I did understand it, but I had questions. So I brought all my questions together and the most frequently asked questions that people ask about bisexuality and I presented them to my guest today. Vanit is an Indian bisexual man born and raised in West London. He's a software engineer, writer and public speaker and the founder of the hashtag bisexual men exist, which went viral in 2020. He has appeared on numerous panels and delivered talks to various companies. He has written for Men's Health, Stonewall, Metro UK, Outlife and Unicorn Magazine, and his work has been published in the Bible, New Testimonials, The Ampersand Project and The Sex Agenda. Now, since I started doing this podcast, I've been gradually becoming a little bit bi-curious. Actually, I almost had sex with a woman while I was in Athens this summer. It was International Bisexual Day. The gay sauna I was going to was hosting a bisexual party. Sadly, only two women joined, so I didn't have a successful encounter there, but who knows? I'm definitely gonna explore that road down the line, especially if there's a guy involved. I think, I don't think I'm bi. I think I'm just curious and I may have a fetish to like try something with a woman in the presence of a man. So let's see how this goes. But anyway, that's beyond my point. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about this episode. We're going to talk about the challenges and experiences that bisexual men encounter when coming out, whether bisexual people have a gender preference. We're going to tackle some common misconceptions about bisexual men particularly, and how these relate to the realm of sexual health. And we're going to talk about the importance of accurate representation in literature and the media for the bisexual community, 
we specifically talk about sex in the city in this episode and how bisexual people were judged essentially in one of those earlier episodes and I didn't remember it until Vanit mentioned it and I had to go back and watch that clip and it's very very biphobic. So a lot to unpack here, it was a very illuminating episode for me to record. I'm so excited for you to listen to it as well. If you have any questions, any comments, if you have any suggestions for episodes, feel free to message me on Instagram at George Lizos and tell me all about it. I do receive your messages and I really appreciate them. I love having this back and forth interaction with you, so I don't feel like it's just me talking to the air. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to rate and subscribe. And without further ado, let's get this bisexual party started. Hey Vanit, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I am well, thank you so much for coming on to Can't Host to chat about your new book, Bisexual Men Exist. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's such an important topic and I want to get started right away by hearing a little bit about your intention with writing this book. I love the title, it's like so on point and it sort of communicates the issue here, which is that many people just proclaim or think that bisexual men or women as well don't exist. Can you share a little bit about your intention with writing this book? Yeah, sure. I mean, so the book really came out from me creating a hashtag a couple of years ago, uh, more than a couple of years ago now, actually in 2018. Um, and it was the same thing, bisexual men exist. And for me at that point in time, it was really to override a narrative of negativity that I was seeing online at the time, biphobia and biracia specifically targeted towards bisexual men. And I did the exact same thing in 2019. I just didn't want to get wrapped up in all of the negativity that was going on and fighting these people and arguing with them. I just wanted to override the narrative with something positive and talk about us and, you know, celebrate ourselves and enjoy ourselves and, you know, create that visibility for the people who were like me back then, a few years before that, who didn't ever see any of that, to really go, look, we're here, we're visible, we exist, and you are safe and you can be this. The intention behind the book really came from a similar place of wanting to show not just that we exist but to go past that even the title behind the book is that hashtag but the conversation that is just the starting point it's we exist now what are the problems with the fact that you don't think we do what are the problems to do with the lack of visibility the lack of education the lack of understanding of our identity so my intention was to really try and teach people about that but also create a space for bisexual men to really see themselves, to really feel like they've been seen, to be understood, to be heard, to put to words some of their own experiences, to feel less isolated, less alone. My intention in all of my work is if it helps one person, then I've succeeded. Yes, because you're right. I, I see so much education around being gay towards like, like straight people. And to the point that I feel we're in, in a place right now and in a time when there is more biphobia than homophobia because mm. people are starting to accept, more and more people are starting to accept homosexuality. But when it comes to bisexuality, like even with my own gay friends, I can hear them sometimes say, oh, just bi people, they're just confused. They're confused. They're going yeah. through a phase. They're going to get there eventually. Or like straight friends who are like so accepting when it comes to like uh, gay people. They're like, I just don't get bi, bi people. Like, why can't they just decide yeah. what they want? And they're just like confused and they're going through stuff. And I'm like, 
it's a spectrum. Why can't you accept that it's a spectrum and you can be yeah. anywhere on that spectrum? Speaking of spectrum, while I was reading through your book, I saw that you mentioned the term M-spec. Yeah. It's a pretty new term. Not even Chad GPT knew about it when I asked it today. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we talk a little bit about it? It's a yeah. multisexual spectrum. It's divided into bisexual, pansexual, polysexual, omnisexual. I guess there's more, but these are the main ones. Can you please explain these labels? Because people get confused. And I think it's important given the conversation we're having. Yeah, of course. So um, MSPEC is really an umbrella term. And like you said, it's quite new and a lot of people use it or know about it. But it's an umbrella term that encapsulates uh, all identities that are basically attraction beyond a single gender. So it's sort of the opposite of, of monosexual, which are people who are attracted to a single gender, like gay, straight, lesbian, etc. All of these terms, they encapsulate different people and different feelings and people use them in their own unique ways. So you have bisexual, which means attraction to more than one gender, pansexual, which is attraction to all or regardless of gender, omnisexual, which is attraction to multiple genders, and polysexual, which I think has a similar... The point of the book... Um, and the point of me using the word M-spec, not just at the beginning, not just on the cover, but throughout the book, is to really talk about the unification of all of these uh, identities. These identities overlap in a lot of different ways. A lot of people use one over the other, when even though their feelings may be one other one. I know people who say, my feelings are more pansexual, but I use bisexual because people know it more, or... My feelings are probably more bisexual, but I use pansexual because I don't like the discrimination or this or that. There's a lot of different ways people use them. But ultimately, there is more in our shared experiences than there are that separates us. And so I wanted to kind of extrapolate away and attract my way away from labels and conversation around labels and really focus on what are the issues. What are yes. the issues behind anyone, regardless of label, regardless of using a label, multiple labels, any any label, no label, the issues that are experienced by a demographic where their attraction goes beyond that single gender. And so that was, for me, the important thing to, for me to drive home is that there is a unification here in our lived experiences. It's like the, all of the stuff you say, it's it's whilst there has been an increased acceptance towards um, homosexuality and gay and lesbian identities, there hasn't been that same shift for other demographics like bisexual, pansexual, even other ones like agender, non-binary, transgender, asexuality, aromanticism. There's, they're not as far ahead as gay and lesbian people. So it was about trying to focus on that conversation rather than a conversation on labels. Yes. And even like with books, like when I was searching for books on the subject, I couldn't find many. It was your book, like recently, and also Boy Slut by Zachary Zane, who I also had on the podcast talking about bisexuality. Yeah. Now, talking about the issues that bisexual men face, let's talk about them with like your own personal lens growing up and coming out as bi. What are some of the unique challenges or experiences that bisexual men face when coming out? So I think the main one is monosexism. It's this idea that the only legitimate forms of sexuality are ones that are monosexual identities, so either straight or gay. It creates this very binary notion and it makes it really difficult for bisexual people or people of other labels to 
understand their identity because you're so constantly being pushed or pigeonholed or shoved into one of these binaries and you're being told to make up your mind to make a decision to stop being so confused so you don't understand what you can be it's a lack of education and understanding around it it's lack of resources lack of visibility that means that not only is everyone is is are you not even seeing firstly you're not even seeing it my my experience was when I first had attraction to more than one gender I didn't even know there was a term for that so you're not even seeing it and then when you are seeing it, when you do finally get told around that bisexual or pansexual are identities you can be, you're told that that's not an identity you can be. You know it exists now, but everyone goes, but you can't actually be that. No one's that. Eventually you decide on one or the other. You make up your mind. And so you internalize that. And so that is the first barrier, is that you internalize this idea that you can only be either straight or gay you got to pick one. You internalize the idea that no one is bisexual, that bisexual isn't a thing. And because there's so little visibility out there, it makes it even worse. It reinforces it. So that was my experience. I had attraction to more than one gender at 11, didn't learn the word until I was 17 and didn't come out until I was 25. That's a very long journey. It's 15 years. And then there's, we also deal with homophobia. That is internalized. So you're having to pick between straight and gay. And obviously, because of internalized homophobia and the outward homophobia, you're more inclined to go to straight because you don't want to have to deal with all of the issues, right? You're going to stay in the closet and you're going to hide that attraction because ultimately, if you don't, you're going to face more bigotry. So you hide that. But even when you come out, then you're dealing with people, erasing your identity, discrediting it. And there's this concept called phallocentrism, which means that your attraction, your experiences, your whatever to the penis, this like little metaphor, this like big idea in the world, the penis, that was what indicates your identity. So if you've had sex with a penis, if you ha- are attracted to people with penises, it's very cisnormative. That is that is your attraction. So for, for men, if you're attracted to penises, you're gay. And so bisexual men get told that they're gay because they've had sex with a penis, they've been penetrated, they've been changed and altered because of that. It doesn't matter that you're still having sex with women, that's all just you being in denial. The only thing that matters is you having had a sex with a man and that has changed you. And so you're dealing with that. It's the same reason that bisexual women get told that they're straight. And and bisexual non-binary people aren't considered at all because you have that binary of male and female. That's the constant thing that you're dealing with, is you're, you're dealing with the internalized biphobia, biracial, and monosexism, the homophobia as well. And then when even when you come out, you're discredited. And so you're constantly having to battle a society that tells you you don't exist. It's not just a, yeah. a little thing that, you know, one-to-one interaction. It's a whole structure in society that invalidates you. Gosh, like the experience sounds like even more traumatic than coming out as gay, because yeah. at least now we're in a time and age where at least people know what gays people are and they have something, they have a box to put them inside. 
Yeah. They have a gay pride. They have experience. They have gay bars. They have saunas. They have some, okay, he's a, a gay person. I put him into that box. Whatever the relationship and whatever my belief about it, they belong to that box. If they can't put you into a box, that can yeah. feel so frustrating. Yeah. And two terms that you mentioned that I think are so important for everyone to consider is the internalization of monosexism, because that internalization creates limiting beliefs, creates traumas. It shapes your identity and, and the way you perceive your identity. And therefore, it's really hard to come into a place of acceptance afterwards because you've internalized something that's unhealthy for you, that society has imposed on you. And the other one is the this binary notion that you mentioned of like you're either straight or you're either gay, which is a patriarchal creation. Yeah. It's this idea of wanting to put us into boxes and you have to choose sides. Yeah. And we can sit in politics, we can sit in society, we can sit in the school systems, we can sit everywhere. And of course, it's taking over like sexual sexual orientation as well. It's the same thing that bisexual people and um, other MSFET people deal with, even in the queer communities you mentioned earlier, is that even then it's like, well, are you part of us or not? And so we get that discrimination even from that area because people go well, am I putting you in the queer box or not Not putting you in the queer box? Are you part of the community or not part of the community? And we're seen as like straddling a fence when we're not at all. So it's a frustration that we deal with is that we're dealing with discrimination from both sides, from both the, the straight community who goes, well, you're that box, you're not part of us. And then the queer community is going, well, you're not part of us either. Like, get out make up your mind tell us when you've come out tell us when you've decided to accept yourself so it's really difficult yeah they're like are you queer enough to be in our community are you gay yeah. enough like i even caught myself in the past asking like bisexual men like do you have a preference like what yeah. like, do you lean towards this side or that side and now i'm realizing that's like so annoying like because <laughs> it's there's still like part of of me wanting to put them in a box okay so you're more you like men more and therefore right. you're yeah. you're queer enough for me to put you into my box so i can yeah. feel safe oh gosh so much stuff that we need to like untangle right like from yeah. our consciousness exactly. now let's talk about dating because it must be tough dating first of all a woman and then coming out as bisexual and then of course many women I suppose would feel like oh what if like I know I have to worry about like uh, him cheating on me with a guy as if it's any different than cheating period yeah right. and then the same way around with uh, with gay guys but I'm curious to find out about your experience with dating different genders I don't want to stick yeah. to like men or women different genders have you found out different kind of responses and what are the challenges there yeah I mean so for me because I'm perceived quite feminine I've found it really difficult to date women especially anyone in the straight community because I'm so often just perceived as gay and even when I say otherwise I don't think I'm fully believed because people will go well I don't I just don't see it or even if I say otherwise they'll go well by means gay and they have that internalized assumption so dealing with the straight community and dating straight women is just completely off the table for me it's never been an option for me even when I was in the closet and saying that I was straight because no one believed me I can think of plenty of times where I've been attracted to a woman and then I realize that they think I'm gay and they consider mm. their gay best friend so that's incredibly frustrating Dealing with the queer community is definitely easier. Dealing with bi women, queer women, 
gay, bi men and uh, non-binary people is a lot easier because there's at least a little bit of understanding there. But again, it only goes so far. When it comes to bi women, it's easier there, but there's less of them. You don't know where to find them. There are less of them out of the closet or reveal themselves because so often they get them fetishized or get told they're straight or get told they're interlopers in the queer community. Non-binary people, again, it's easier, but then they're dealing with bigotry as well. They may think that we might not see them or we might say, you know, they might think to get their own discrimination from us. They might be worried about that. So that's, again, another issue. And then dealing with gay men is, again, its own problem because, like we've already said, they also may hold those beliefs. They may not have unlearned those beliefs. They may think, well, oh, he's only dated these genders therefore you know he's probably more that he's probably not really queer he's probably in the closet you have to deal with all of that for me I just I found it incredibly difficult to date anyone I think putting femininity bisexuality and person of color all on the same line makes it really difficult you're dealing with discrimination on so many different levels that even when you manage to push through one you're not accomplished through the other one so you might go well am I going to experience racism for you? And if not, then am I going to experience femphobia or biphobia from you? And you're all, I, I felt like I was always getting one. So I might be in a person of colour space and go, oh, this is safer. But then realising that there's still femphobia and biphobia. I might be in a bi space, but then realise that that space is still quite white. I'll be in a gay space and that's quite white. And so I'm dealing with all of the issues because it's white and gay. So yeah, I think dating was always incredibly hard and I just kind of gave up on it a little bit until I found my current partner. You know, now I'm in a you know monogamous relationship. I don't have to deal with dating anymore, which is a huge thing of my mind. Up until that point, I, I essentially gave up on dating. I'm not sure how I found my current partner. It just happened. Yeah. But I'd given up on the notion of actually going into a relationship. I was very unsuccessful in dating yeah. up until that point. So I get it because, I mean, you, you touched on the issue of like, double discrimination it gets tougher and tougher and it shows us the kind of world we live in and the, the kind of progress we need to make yeah. to really create the, the equality we seek both within the queer community yeah. because there is a lot of internalized homophobia within the community as well yeah now going back to my earlier question because i know people are asking this question do bisexual people and i guess you cannot answer for everyone you can answer for yourself do bisexual men or people in general have a gender preference in your experience? Some do, but it, it's a very, it's a very varied community. Yes. That's the thing is you can't, like you said, you can't speak for a whole demographic. You can't no. speak for a whole demographic of anyone, right? You could say, you could ask the same question about gay people and be like, oh, do they have a, have a type? Do gay people have a type? And it's goes, yes. oh, well, depends on the gay person. And so it's the same for bi people. Like some of them have a gender preference, some of them don't. Some of them have maybe not a gender preference, but certain people they wouldn't date. I know a lot of bi people who go, I won't date straight men. I won't date cis people. I won't date because they might be a trans bi person. And so they only date trans people. Yes. There are some people who will only ever date other bi people. There are some people who will only date queer people, some people who only date, you know, Again, they might go, well, as a as a bi man, I only date queer women. And then, yeah, it's just queer people. So it really, it really depends on the person. 
myself, I don't really know. Uh, it can change from day to day. And I think that's also really common. Some people go, oh, at the moment, I'm only really interested in dating men or non-binary people or queer women, or I want to actually see what it's like dating straight women or straight yes. men. Or, you know, it really varies. And I think it's remembering that the bi community is a really large community. The statistics and research and even recent census data in the UK that shows that one of the biggest, we're about half the community. And so when you remember that we're about half the community, that's hundreds of thousands, millions of people. You can't you can't paint with broad strokes, right? Yes, because it's a spectrum and it's fluid and it's changing and we're shifting. And even with myself, like for many years, the reason I started this podcast was because for many years I identified as a gay bottom and then until I topped and then I liked it. And I'm like, wait oh, a minute, yeah. <laughs> a whole new world. What's happening here? And I, yeah. so I started this podcast to start exploring all these boundaries that we and the limits we put on ourselves. Yeah. And the more conversations I've been having, the more open I've been to considering different things to the point that I even got turned on at the idea of having sex with a woman with the presence of a man and therefore having mm. a threesome with, with a woman present. I'm like, okay, so yeah. why just force myself into staying into this, like, this binary that society inflicts on us that's yeah. not really helping us experience uh, right. fulfillment and, and, and explore our sexuality to the degree that we're supposed to? Yeah, I think people, like, that we talk about putting people in boxes and I think people... Not only you like to put other people in boxes, but also are very quick to put themselves in a box. And they're very scared about breaking out of that because it changes their worldview. And I think it's really important that as a community, we embrace the fluidity because so often people go, well, I've now come out as gay and that's what I am. I'm now a gay man. And there are so many people who change. There are so many people who go who uh, identify as a lesbian and then identify as a trans man and then identify as a bi trans man or this or like identity is fluid and changing and it's not something that is set in stone it's not something that you have to be for life you know I identify as bi as a bi man now 10 years from now I might be something completely different as you learn and go through life and have more experiences like you did you know you had that first moment where you topped and go oh that's something I enjoy. It's on so many different levels. It can be something as simple as a sexual preference. It can be something as big as your whole gender identity. We have to allow ourselves to experience the world and see what happens and maybe reevaluate what we, what we think about ourselves and who we are. Yeah, what, what I find fascinating is when I was reading about homosexuality in ancient Greece and mm. the term did not exist because it wasn't an identity it was an action that people did yeah. so it wasn't even defined as oh well, you're 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 gay or you're bi or whatever it's just an action that you do and you just yeah. choose to do the action or you don't choose to do the action like zero zero labels which was very interesting mm. versus like now we we have to define everything yeah. now let's talk about sexual health do you find that there is more discrimination against bisexual people when it comes to sexual health? Is there more judgment around their sexuality because they have more sex in other people's minds? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think there's a few different things that happen there. So historically, bisexual people were blamed as a reason why straight people got HIV and AIDS. And I think that that is really the thing that still sits in people's minds 
is that we are a vector of disease, that we are likely to be spreading the disease because we are not only more promiscuous, but we are less likely to get help. It's this idea that bisexual people are just closeted gay men. And because we're closeted, we aren't necessarily going into those spaces where we will get the education and resources that we need. And because we're closeted, we aren't disclosing who we're having sex with. We aren't going and getting tested because we're, again, scared of disclosing who we're having sex with. We don't think that it's something for us. We're worried about people finding out what we're doing. It's this whole mindset of who we are that then brings this idea of bisexual people are more likely to have STDs, STIs, HIV, more likely to spread it. And therefore, we get the discrimination based on that. We were seen as quote unquote dirty. We're seen as as unclean. We're seen as a vector for disease. And so we get the discrimination on that, not just from other people, but also from sexual health services who see yes. us in that light. We're seen as as your risk. Oh, you're bisexual. Oh, no. Oh, you must be doing this, this, this. Oh, no. Suddenly the risk factor goes way up. Sexual health services need to do a lot around education around that in order to better support us. I think they're very quick to put that judgment on us and the judgment doesn't serve anyone or anything. It's realizing that, yeah, there could be an extra risk there, but it's about asking the right questions rather than jumping to a conclusion that may not be correct. It's about asking those right questions and it's about providing the right resources rather than passing judgment and blaming us because blame culture doesn't help anyone seeing us as a risk and and putting all of these ideas onto us only discourages us from coming back or disclosing and that doesn't help anyone so it's about being a judgment-free zone and asking those right questions and then providing the right resources which i just don't think is being done in the right way i think even in the queer community we don't do enough targeted resources towards the bi community education and resources tend to go within the lgbtqia plus community a lot and bi people may not be in those spaces because of the discrimination they face they may not be in the space because of that or they may not be in the space because they may be closeted and those are two different issues that we need to tackle and we need to make sure that those resources are proliferated correctly but also have the right amount of information. For example, PrEP. PrEP, you have to take it daily if you're having vaginal or frontal sex. That information needs to be front and center. It needs to be very clear that if you are bisexual and are having are behaviorally bisexual, so you're having sex with people of multiple different genders, that information is there right at the top and say, if you want to take PrEP, you should take PrEP and you should take it daily. Yeah, so education has to be there and has to be on an institution level, both from yeah. within the LGBTQIA plus communities, but when it comes to like, like hospitals, the health service, etc. Yeah, exactly. Because you're right, there are so many assumptions. Like someone may be, may be having sex once a year and they, they yeah. assume like you're having daily orgies just because yeah. <laughs> you identify under a specific like sexual orientation. Mm. I don't know what the situation remember I don't remember what the situation is in London while I live there but are gay and bisexual men allowed to donate blood? I think the rules have changed recently but I cannot tell you what they are anymore. 
Um, I think the rules are relaxed, so yes. people can, but it's only certain people. So I think it's something along the lines of people who are in like monogamous relationships can now. Again, assumptions. Had, yeah, <laughs> I think the time frame has decreased. So I think it's as long as you haven't had sex in the last like three months or something like that. Good, at least things are changing. I think here in Cyprus, it's still the same thing. You're not allowed to donate blood, period. (laughs) Which is basically putting us into a category like you're a whore. You cannot give blood, even if you may not be having sex. Fun times. Now, speaking about institutions and how we're portrayed by people, let's talk about representation Mm -hmm. in media and popular culture when it comes to bisexual men, bisexual people. Because it is significantly less. Do you know how I noticed that? I'm watching the latest season of And Just Like That, the the reboot of Mm. Sex and the City. And what they've done with the first season, it felt like a gender studies class. We're introducing non-binary people. We're introducing these, we're introducing that. And I think they've introduced so many different characters, which rightfully so, but bisexual people. (laughs) There's everything. (laughs) Yeah. I can't even say I'm surprised because Sex and the City is one of those big historic moments of biphobia. There was an episode in Sex and the City where um, I think it's Sarah Jessica Parker's character finds out that the person that she's on a date with is bisexual and is a bisexual man. And she goes and tells her girls. And it's just a, I think it's like a two solid minutes of just back-to-back biphobic comments. It's every single comment you can think of. It's that they're sexually promiscuous, that they're cheaters, that they're they're actually gay, they're this, they're that, they're that. It's every single one that you can think of pull out of the hat. And every bisexual person looks at Six and City and goes, yep, I remember that moment. Um, It's huge, it's huge. And so I can't even say that I'm surprised that the reboot of it just doesn't care about bisexual people at all. At least like, the needle has shifted. At least they're not going to have a two-minute irate of, of, of bigotry. But yeah, including us is a step too far. I think they could have done a better job because Miranda yeah. finds out she's attracted to a non-binary person, Che, mm. okay, whose biological sex is female. Mm. And in a comment to Carriage talking on the phone, she's like, oh, straight Miranda would do that, but lesbian Miranda would do that. Why mm. not bisexual, Miranda? Because clearly yeah. you've been married to a man your entire life yeah. and then you're, you're switching to, to a non-binary person. Why are you not saying, why are the writers not writing bisexual, Miranda wouldn't do that? That's such a common trope is that, I mean, like no, she can still identify as straight and be attracted to a non-binary person and that's fine. But yeah, yeah it's very strange that it's like, oh, there's, there's two sides of her. And it's like, well, why is there not just one side of you? It's very confusing. But it really plays into the tropes of the 2010s where people would go from straight to gay and gay back to straight. And that would happen and they would never, ever talk about, explore, mention anything about bisexuality. There would be characters who would be having sex with, like um, male characters would be having sex with women all all of their lives and then suddenly had sex with a man and then suddenly they're now gay. And... Even even when there were moments where they would maybe explore bisexuality, it would just be ridiculed. And then they would go, no, I realize I am actually gay or whatever. Or it's just seen as like a little moment, a little bit of fun. I remember a character in a show I watched called 90210, the new 90210. And um, she was 
straight for ages, dated multiple men, had a moment where she dated a woman and was then a lesbian and then went back and decided that she didn't want to date that person anymore and then only dated men from then on. And she had a conversation with someone once and she was like, oh yeah, I recommend everyone have like a lesbian phase. And it's like, are you not just bisexual? I just, it doesn't make any sense. And it's, if you're not bisexual, if you've had a lesbian moment and then you realize that you're not a lesbian, fine, that's a thing that happens. But you're not even going to mention the possibility. It's very bizarre. It's very bizarre. I had a very personal experience with this because one of my good friends who uh, identifies as a straight woman, she went through a quote-unquote like lesbian phase. Now, this is the same friend who I had multiple arguments with where she told me bisexual people are just confused mm. and they need to pick a side. And then she has a lesbian face. I'm like, okay, you've just proven to yourself you are bisexual. No, 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 no. I'm just straight and I'm having a, a lesbian face. I mean, by definition, if you had sex with a woman, it was a fetish because yeah. I may have I have a fetish. I want to have sex with a with a with a woman with a guy present, for example. It's a fetish. Yeah. It's once in a lifetime experience. But if you're like in a relationship, like months upon months and upon months, and there is an emotional connection, and there is not just sex, but a relationship going on, yeah. then why not just call it bisexual? Yeah. <laughs> or like at least and spec you're on the freaking spectrum yeah. and you're leaning more towards straight but you're on the spectrum or something yeah or queer I'm, she just yeah. won't accept it and that's the thing is you know i'm always up for people using whatever label works best for them and so if a person goes well i'm dating this person but for me straight feels like home blah 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 it's all about self-identification but we do also need to talk about what's going on and why there's a hesitancy to use certain labels. Exactly. And there is definitely an internalized biphobia there. It's by people don't exist. I can't be that. That's not a thing that's real. That's confusion. No, I am this. And it's the hesitancy there is bigotry. It's a bigoted mindset of going, that is not real. So I can't be that. So I'm this. And that's something that people need to explore more. It's exploring their own internal biases. That's the most important thing here because that's where growth happens. Mm. It's not, not expecting yourself to be perfect, but realizing I have internal biases. Let mm. me educate myself. Let me think about it because I have them as well. Even like, yeah. like having done this podcast, so many episodes, I've realized I've had so many internal biases, especially mm. around by people that I'm constantly like, rethinking and, and and having conversations with people like you and, and educating myself. Let's take this a step further and talk about intersectionality, which is something I haven't read in many books about, which I think is very important. And you speak from a very authentic and personal experience as well. What is the experience and the relationship between bisexual people? And why do we have to think about bisexual people in terms of race, gender, culture, different identities? What's the connection there? I honestly think that you can't talk about any identity by itself because no one has a singular identity, right? Yes. Everyone has, is full of a multitude of different identities. And even for me personally, I don't think I can separate out my individual identities. My identity as a man doesn't make sense by itself because I don't identify with man by itself. I identify myself as a queer man, a bi man, because that's the only way it makes sense. I don't identify as bi by itself. I identify as bi as a man, as a person of color. It's the only way that my bisexuality makes sense. 
And so all of these things are tied together. I think the reason why you need to analyze these, all of these things through multiple different lenses is because that's the only way that you start to break down the barriers between all of this stuff. So, for example, could you really say that LGBTQIA plus people are free and have liberation and have acceptance if disabled people can't access our spaces, right? You need to look at it through a disabled lens because if all of our spaces are bars and clubs and disabled people, neurodivergent people can't access their spaces because of sensory issues, or if they're all very small places that don't have disabled toilets, have a step to access it, wheelchair users can't get in, right? So that's one like one example of why you need to look through these lenses. Same thing as like if you look at bi and trans people, bi people are more likely to have an issue trying to get trans-affirming care because of the idea that bisexuality is seen as confused and when you talk to psychotherapists, they often try to pick holes for trans people. And they go, well, if you're if you're gay, that doesn't make sense. Because surely if you are, you're saying that you're a man inside, then you need to be attracted to women. So you can't be attracted to men. If you say to them, I'm, I'm bi and I'm attracted to multiple genders, they're just going to invalidate the whole thing. They're going to say, well, you're confused. If you look at people of color, People of color experiencing racism in the spaces mean that they can't access those spaces safely, which means that you can have all the resources and you can make it easier for bi people to access that space. But if bi people of color are struggling, then they're not going to experience the same issue. They're going to experience different issues and they're not going to be able to experience what it's like to have all of that safety. So that's why I think for me, I always talk about the importance of looking at things through different lenses, because ultimately none of us are free until all of us are free. That's very beautiful. I like, I love your, your wording of looking through different identity lenses, mm. because you can take a person and identify like five different identities that define them and then choose one identity and perceive the other identities through that. And mm. you can learn so much and you can understand so much in relation to culture, to other people, to society in general. And I think it's very important that like this self-identification and all the terms that we, we come up with to identify are so important, not because it's important to, to put ourselves into boxes, but that's how we communicate with the world. And that's how we communicate with society. And sadly, systems, healthcare systems, like psychological systems, they, they work based on these labels and yeah. on these boxes. And you by using the correct terminology, you're able to get what you need faster yeah, and, and exactly. better. Our systems need to evolve. Like here in Cyprus, a few years ago, we adopted the NHS healthcare system, essentially the mm. same kind of thing. And I went to my GP and I'm like, can you please write me to do all the tests that a gay guy needs to do, like, like sexual, like all the STD tests. And they didn't have options to take a sample from the anus. That wasn't even on the system, so he couldn't even assign me that test. Oh my god! So that's like that's systemic homophobia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, people don't to... have sex via the anus, so why yeah. have that there? <laughs> yeah, that is homophobia in action embedded into the system, which is literally preventing you from getting the right care. Um, and there's so many issues like that. The fact that you know, 
a lot of therapists, for example, don't understand bisexuality and don't even understand why that would be an issue. I mean, someone I spoke to for my book said that they went to a therapist and talked about the difficulty of coming out to his wife. And he sort of he sort of responded and said, well, why do you need to? We all wear different masks for different people. And he had to explain that I feel like I'm always wearing a mask. If I let the mask slip, I could ruin my entire life. And the therapist just didn't get why that was an issue. Like that is embedded into the system. It's, I literally cannot receive the right care because the person who's meant to be providing me the care can't or don't know. understand. Yeah. So it's embedded. My The master's that I did last year was in psychology and I had to read the DSM-5, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual about disorders that psychiatrists use. And even though the DSM-5 is the latest one, still like transsexuality is a disorder. <laughs> yeah. They define it as such. And when you look at the earlier versions, if I'm not mistaken, homosexuality was also identified as a disorder. Yeah. yeah. So how can you expect these people to, to treat you in a more empathetic way and understanding way when in their mind, it's saved that it's a disorder? Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift into something more positive. Let us know where can people can buy your book and learn all this information and educate themselves about it and where they can get in touch with you as well. You can buy my book at all your best bookshops. So you can get it from your local queer bookshop if that's available to you. If not, you can get it from your big bookshops. They should be able to order it in. So places like Waterstones, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, etc., etc. Any other big bookshop, you should be able to order it in. And if you want to find me and find my work, you can find me at the very professional handle at NintendoMad888. Uh, I'm available on Twitter. I refuse to call it by its new name. And Instagram, you can find my Medium blog. You can also just like search up my name. Not to sound narcissistic, but my name is very unique. So uh, there's not very many people by, by my name. So you can find me through that too. Bani, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I learned so much and I'm sure everybody listening learned as well. And I, I can't wait to see what's next for you as well. Do you have a project you're working on? So I am currently, I've just finished submitting an anthology, which I'm working on with my friend Low Sharing. It's an anthology of bisexual activism. And that is also with Jake AP. So we just submitted our first draft. It's not a lot of writing from me. I was mainly the editor. There's one piece from me and one piece from my friend Lo. And then there's a bunch of other amazing people. I'm really excited for people to read that because some of those pieces are so good. All of them are really good. But some of them made me cry. Some of them made me howl with laughter. There's so much good stuff in there. I'm really excited for people to read that. That's my next project exciting and all the links for everything that's available will be in the show notes below thank you so much for coming onto the podcast thank you for having me thank you for tuning in if you have any insights or a story to share message me on instagram at george lizos and tell me all about it i would love to hear from you <laughs>